and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 66th episode in a weekly series called E3 Anticipation. Here with me is my co-host of the day, Tinzian, who's going to help me discuss some news about E3 and some news in gaming. Hey, Genesee. Hello. Last week's episode was a discussion with Aaron Gromish, the community manager and developer from that game company, Austin Wintry, the composer for Journey and Monaco, and Andy Schatz, the creator of Monaco and host of IGF. We had a very good time talking about Journey and some other games that that game company has done, so please check that out if you have not. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, June 4th, and we're going to discuss, as I said, E3 and some upcoming possibilities. At this point, uh, I think E3 started today, would you say, Tizian? I believe the floor show starts uh, tomorrow and then lasts three days, but today was the big sort of press releases for events that are going to be coming there, games. The, the hype engine has definitely started. Yes, so we're hearing a little bit more about that, but... Not a whole lot of stuff, just kind of things that we we believe we'll be seeing more of, um, and some news. So we're going to talk about that right now, so let's do News of the Week. news of the week. My news of the week right now is that I'm sitting here with an ice pack on my face because I just got kicked in the face during my karate practice today. So um, if I sound funny when I'm talking, that's why, because I'm kind of talking over top of an ice pack. Um, But that's okay. I'm sure I'll be fine tomorrow and uh, enjoying the karate, enjoying the tournament that I went to this past weekend and kind of recovering from that. So a good time had. What about you? What is your news of the week, Tinsia? Well, first, I'm, I'm humbled to be on the show, and I don't know how I'm going to follow uh, even one of those guys from that game company, but uh, one thing the Genesee is not telling you is that at the tournament, out of three events that she competed in, she got first place in her first ever tourney, so congrats, and <laughs> please Thank you. comment on the Facebook page and congratulate her. Uh, my news of the week is somewhat limited in that... Um, we've been playing some Diablo, but finally, as of yesterday, I, I got around to, um, defeating the wonderful Reaper threat in Mass Effect 3, and yes, that was kind of. awesome. Took a little bit longer than I was planning to for the afternoon, but, um, I appreciate the chance to get that done and uh really want some more so I'm, I'm really looking forward to whatever dlc they have coming down and kind of getting that itch again i think along with you to play some uh, mass effect multiplayer we haven't done that in a while what with uh diablo 3 and dungeon defenders this is true and i believe there is a new um if you want to call it an expansion a couple more maps and maybe some more classes for Mass Effect 3 Multi. I didn't really check into that a lot. Do you know what the details are on that? 
Um, I think there is another Batarian, and uh, interestingly enough, I believe there's some male Quarians um, oh. in this one. A couple more, I think there's a weapon or two, but it's sort of a, a toned-down version of the first uh, multiplayer uh, free DLC. Yes. So that'll be fun. I haven't gotten... I, I've been out of that for a couple months now, or... Or so I'd say with you, and we kind of moved to Dungeon Defenders and Diablo came out, so I was absorbed in Diablo, but I will get back to the Mass Effect mm-hmm. multiplayer soon, I'm sure. Since the last time we talked, I still haven't been able to loose a missile in anger um, in EVE Online, but uh, some more training has happened. Uh, the fleets, um, these large groups of 100 plus people in different ships, uh, they tend to happen at odd hours, so I just haven't been able to tag on to one yet, but... Um, Leading into that, uh, one of the things we'll probably discuss a little bit later on here in the E3 stuff is the um, dirt. I believe it is uh, 514 that is going to be coming out from um, the developer and owner of EVE Online. Yes, definitely want to talk about that. All right, uh, some news before we begin the E3 discussion. There's a a little story going around, not very pop- publicized, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Activision has been in a lawsuit uh, with the makers of Modern Warfare 2, uh, and they just ended up settling that this week. And the way I understand it is that Jason West and Vincent Zampella were the former heads of Activision, uh, the Infinity Ward. They have sued Activision for wrongful dismissal because they claim that the company had fired them, I think it was back in 2010, that they didn't, that Activision didn't want to pay them bonuses, uh, for, after its release of Modern Warfare 2, so they fired them basically after the completion of that game. And so they, they had sued Activision for that, and Activision countersued, basically saying that they were conspiring, um, to take all of the stuff that they had learned by developing the game, over to Activision's rival, which is EA, Electronic Arts, and that that was a breach of their contract. So they had this kind of back-and-forth thing happening, and they ended up settling out of court this week. Uh, the the pair from Activision that have left, West and Zampella, actually formed a new company, which is called Respawn Entertainment, and they are developing games for EA. So it's kind of interesting that, that they uh, left Activision, went over to the rival eventually anyway. But... The whole thing, the whole thing was not very publicized, but interesting. Uh, EA has had some bad press in the past, and I guess is going to continue to to have some with this. Hopefully, that wasn't actually what happened, but uh, it's conflicting conflicting stories, definitely on that. Hmm. I've also got a lawsuit story if you're interested. Yes, definitely. Uh, I'm one of the few people on the planet who hasn't played any of the Assassin's Creed series, so I'm sort of forgetting the developer, but I believe it's Ubisoft. Yeah, yes. Uh, they were sued uh, late last week by an author, uh, somewhat eccentric fellow, and he was suing them for use of ripping off his... Um, he, he believes that he invented or... Um, used the literary creation of the Animus, that is one of the large sort of cruxes of uh, gameplay elements for Assassin's Creed. And he filed the paperwork and then realized how much it would cost him in order to pursue his uh, lawsuit. And the next day, 
dismissed a lawsuit, but with cause, so it allows him to um, uh, refile the lawsuit later at a time if he had more money. Mm-hmm. However, Ubisoft sort of looked at this and went, um, right. And because Ubisoft didn't even, this thing was so fast that it never even got to Ubisoft's legal department until the press started kind of poking, poking at them. They have apparently countersued this author, uh, claiming that it is a frivolous lawsuit and to, um, block further, um, attempts by this author to sue. And I think there's also probably some damages in there as far as, you know, trying to collect legal fees and stuff. Cause you know, they've got to cross the T's and dot the I's and stuff. So this is uh sort of poking the hornet's nest <laughs> in one of the most obvious sorts of fashions. Uh, so that should be interesting. Yeah. I wonder what'll happen with that. I guess maybe he'll get his day in court after all, whether he likes it or not. He might, but I would hate to see that legal bill and all the high-priced, multiple, multiple uh, power-suited people sitting at that other table if he has to play their, pay their court fees. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know what to say about that, but interesting. We do have a good story. We've just talked about two kind of downers with the lawsuits and gaming companies. So we do have a nice heartwarming story involving a gaming company I think we should talk about. I think everyone knows that 38 Studios uh, and its subsidiary, which is Big Huge Games, have ended up closing uh, last week. And a lot of the developers were mid-game on an MMO that they were developing that we will never find out the details of. And very sadly won't get to finish their work. they were also, I'm sure, looking and scrambling for other places to work, and different companies were interested in hiring them. But, uh, nicely, a studio called Epic Games has put out a press release saying that they uh, just had a meeting themselves talking about how they would like to build uh, even bigger projects and how they would need more team members and how were they going to get this infusion of top talent to, to do this, and... Fortunately, the two happened to need what the other one had, and it looks mm-hmm. like they're going to be hiring 38 Studios members, most of them, to work at Epic Games and found a new studio with them. So they are uh, they're right now trying to get people down to their headquarters, which are in Cary, North Carolina, while they begin to plan to start what's called, called Impossible Studio, I believe, is what they're going to call the new studio. Um they haven't confirmed that, but they're kind of hinting at that. And they don't know what games they'll be working on or what, uh, how many they can hire, all that stuff. But they, they put out the press release saying that they wanted to help and that they, uh, they're going to do this. So, yay for Epic Games. That was very nice. And, and uh, Cary, Cary, North Carolina is actually a reasonably good place to set up a game company if you want to run something, especially online, because it's a communications Nexus both for overseas and also for domestic U.S. for that region, so they'll have access to quick telco and uh, data pipes if needed without having to go out to California and join in the server farms out there. Very nice. So Michael Caps, who is the the owner and president, or I just I guess just the president of Epic Games, has put that press release out, and I thought that was a nice heartwarming story. To at least mm-hmm. the 38 Studios will be able to stay together, most of them, and um, you know, I'm sure they've 
kind of had a synthesis working on all these projects together and it's a shame to have to break that all up especially when the creative juices are flowing so to speak so maybe they'll get a chance to i don't know what the rules are uh, as far as you know the dissolving of company if you can take the knowledge of what you were working on with you and begin again and continue with the mmo they were doing or if they have to begin again and complete from complete scratch but they're going to have to start from scratch but they can at least use some technology ideas but they have to make sure that Whatever they were doing with Copernicus stays dead, unless they uh, unless they buy out the license to that technology. But that's considered intellectual property for them. Unfortunately, Even if there is no company left to buy the intellectual property from. It's still something that either the state or if they sell the game, they can still get uh, some money. I believe they were looking at maybe fifteen million dollars for the intellectual property for Copernicus. Wouldn't maybe be that awful if it if it's it's three quarters finished. Hmm. I did like the way that they worded the press release, though. This guy's kind of a funny guy. And one of the quotes in his press release is, It'll take a while to find space, set up desks and PCs, purchase sufficient Nerf weaponry and Dr. Pepper, etc. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he knows what it's like. Uh, speaking from working in a place where there's sufficient Nerf weaponry, that stuff takes a little while to sneak in uh, under the radar, so to speak, but there's a wide plethora of options for those who care to uh, participate. Yes, uh, I think that's the only place I've ever realized that there was um, semi-automatic nerf weapons. Chain gun. Yes. Nice. Okay, so I, I think we're done with the gaming news. I have not played Max Payne. Three, so I don't have anything to say about gaming news right now. So we I, I hear, I hear he is such a dick in this one. Like in in, in in the first two, I I enjoyed the first two games. You know, he was an alcoholic slob, but you you felt for the character. He he was one of those ones that came along and and brought you in, and you felt bad for him, and you left for. You know, you, you saw everything getting taken away from him, and you rooted for him, and you know, you you had purpose in that game. That's sort of the relationship between gamers but in terms of the developers it's it's maybe not to the mass effect level of bring bring you in and and clinch you but it it clinched in a different way but apparently this guy is just a dick (laughs) in in this game and people are getting kind of turned off beyond the uh the aiming mechanics and stuff but really yeah Hmm. well we'll we'll see if anyone we know ends up playing it um what people are saying is that it's only a 12-hour playthrough, so it doesn't seem to have a lot of replayability, uh, which is one reason I think people are hesitating to jump in and pay the price, unless you're a diehard Max Payne fan. I think the first two were somewhere on the order of about maybe 40 hours each. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nooks and crannies. If you blew through it, you know you could blow through it in no time, but there were a lot of nooks and crannies and stuff. Hmm. Well, speaking of Ubisoft, as we were, uh, one of their previews at E3 is Assassin's Creed 3, um, which is 18th century frontier. It's in Boston, New York, and if you like Assassin's Creed, you can preview Assassin's Creed 3, which I'm sure the videos are all over YouTube and everywhere else. Um, I know it's on G4 as well. So, uh, basically, there's a lot of big cities in this, and they're saying uh, that it's there's a section of the frontier and New England in the 18th century that you're going to get to see, um, winter and summer, so weather as well. And it's kind of neat to imagine an assassin stalking through the snow, you know, kind of thing. You've seen that before. I think um, he's an alien. I think he's an Indian in this one. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. 
Because I saw him using like tomahawks and stuff. And there was a video I saw maybe about four months ago, I think it was. that. I know his name is Connor, and then he uh, has a pistol and a blade, and you end up mm-hmm. fighting like the animal, the local animals. And it does say that um, it's early tech from tomahawks and Native American kind of early tech stuff to European steel and British muskets. So you have a whole range of, I guess, era of, of weapons to use as mm-hmm. well. I think it's kind of ballsy for them taking it out of uh, Italy, which I think they needed to do, but to put it into Boston in that time frame with the the British Redcoats and everything else, I think they're I think they're taking a very nice gamble. I don't think it'll bring me in to play it, but I think as far as uh, a story arc where they could have taken this and just followed a nice safe formula mm-hmm. or stayed sort of nestled in with their standard franchise. I th- I think this may be a good move for them and uh showing that it's developer worth trying to pass on some growing pains and and get to that next level with their their property. I have to say uh I played Assassin's Creed 1 and the thing that kind of turned me off about that game uh a good portion of it in is the city. I got tired, you know, jumping off of high buildings, climbing up walls, you know, seeing the same kind of world over and over and over and all the people walking through the town and everything like that. Um, and I know there's some parts with roads and you're riding horses and other stuff, but it was mostly set in the town setting and that just got old for me after a while. Looking at this and seeing uh, the landscape, seeing the different weather, seeing the forests and um, the different, you know, even on the ocean, stuff like that. This is, this is a lot more appealing to me than the original Assassin's Creed. So I I'll, I'm I'm gonna definitely look at this and see. You know, it oh. reminds me more of a Skyrim where you have. I mean, the kind of beauty of it is going through the different, um, you know, landscapes as well. Hmm. But I I kind of have to remember and, and remember there's there's a bit of a police order going on here, uh, Genesee, in that um, you weren't actually playing Assassin's Creed in the PC game. You decided to take it real life, and there's there's still some areas of the library roof that uh, you attempted to uh, leap off into the book vault haystack. Yeah, I often leap there, into haystacks with ropes attached to myself. You know, they're they're still not quite that happy with you but it, it did help you get your black belt so we just need to need to show as to which one uh you know which version you were playing there anytime i hear a hawk scream i just feel the need to leap off of something it just happens. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a it's a big presentation at e3 for ubisoft this year they also have watchdogs which they announced um it's a new ip open world game uh it's about computers invading your life, and you play as a hacker in this. Do you have an iPad? Yes, I do. Oh, I meant, I meant to, you know, in, in your character, does your character in that game have an iPad? Uh, well, it sort of reminds me of the Matrix, the way they're describing it, where uh, you kind of are able to see, you're able to disable all the stuff around you and do instant background checks and all that. So I don't know in what way. I didn't get to watch the video, but I don't know in what way you're able to disarm that if you have some sort of built-in like AI connection, or I don't know. I haven't had a chance to see the video, but just the just description of it is kind of neat. Because I, I love some good uh, good uh, cyberware style games and stuff, so that might be interesting. Uh, although with their stance on the DRM and everything, it, it's really making me shy away from their products. Mm-hmm. It's, it's even keeping away from uh, 
what they've got coming up as well. One of the games that I'd love to play because I love the first two so much, uh, Far Cry. They've got Far Cry 3 coming out for all the major platforms as well, but I don't know with how they've handled the DRM if I'll actually pick up a copy of that or not. Hmm. Well, people have very strong feelings about DRM, so I'm not surprised. Um, is there not a way to turn that off and just have it... Just, must it check every single time, or will it... Can you always, on. always on. It's always on. Yep. Yeah, Far Cry 3, you know, that's the other thing that's, that you can watch previews of right now that they're talking about, definitely. Mm-hmm. But one of your old uh, favorites from Cindy Bowen and uh, Tryon, mm-hmm. they've got the Rift expansion coming out. Yes. Uh, Tryon has quite a few things coming out, actually. Uh, we talked last week when we had the discussion with Aaron Gromish. We talked about the MMO that they're developing, which I believe is called Defiance, and mm-hmm. and how it parallels the sci-fi series that they have that's coming out with that as well. So they, they have several new MMOs, um, and I'm pleased to see Tryon doing well. Also, End of Nations, which you had uh, the developer on, or developer was the community guy. I think he was a community manager, but he also was a player and tester as well. They're supposed to have a big announcement uh, at E3 as well regarding End of Nations. Mm. And nicely enough, our friends Arkin Games are actually going to E3 as well to talk about uh, to talk about their game called A Valley Without Wind and some of the possible expansions. I'm not sure what they're going to discuss at E3, but uh, I really like Arkin, so I'm going to check and see if they have any updates on that as well. And I know that that game company has an update that they were going to give us this week, some sort of announcement regarding Journey or perhaps a new game, and I'm waiting to see if they if they do come through with that. Maybe we could put that in the next week's podcast as well. Uh, a note on podcasts for the next week. I will be out of town for the next two weeks, really. Uh, and then we, then I will continue with developer interviews at that point. So you will have, you will have this today with Tinsin and I discussing E3 and then the possibility of another podcast before I end up going out of town, but it will be a little low key for the next two weeks, I would say. And then back to our usual, our usual interviews. All right. More E3 news. THQ, sadly enough, who we like very much because they have done Saints Row. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe I'm going to have Jameson Durrell back on in the next couple weeks, and he may be the guest that you get after vacation here. Uh, has just announced that it ended an agreement to publish games with their UFC license, which is pretty much a big blow for the MMA video games that they might end up developing. Uh, UFC president Dana White went to EA and said that they... They have a multi-year agreement with EA to make MMA arts games. So, hmm. the president Jason Rubin, who's a game developer, he created Naughty Dog Game Studios. Um, he's helped. He's decided that he's going to help them, and he says, "quote chart a course through this crucial period." And they estimate that they have enough cash left to keep operations running at their levels for about a year uh, until they need to raise more money. So. And it says that they may accomplish running those operations by relinquishing the US UFC license to EA. Because EA's got, looks like, I'm looking at the list from IGN, they've got a bunch of their usual sports properties coming out for announcements. So they'd probably be a likely candidate to pick that up in terms of having sports-related games and then being able to pass along that feel of being there or simulation. Well, well the Ultimate Fighting Championship brand, which is basically what they're picking up um i mean they have a, a lot 
larger ability to distribute, I would think, than THQ does. So it would be better, I guess, for the genre to have more games going out to more people. So, mm-hmm. And mobile options as well. I mean, they say that right now THQ will continue to publish its titles through March 31st, 2013. And they don't really say how many games this is going to involve, but uh, unfortunately THQ has had several setbacks, and I believe this is going to be one of them, although hopefully they can make money off of the sale of the license. So, THQ, worried about you, because you just laid off 240 workers, like, last month, and lots of stuff happening where you're letting people go. Don't want you to go the way of 38 Studios. Well, there's also, looking over this list, there's just an absolute kind of lack of new titles or properties that are coming out. Everything seems to be, you know, there's a lot more, not that I'll ever diss a Castlevania game per se, except for that one that you couldn't absolutely play at all, but, well, you know, there's, there's like too. new Castlevania, there's a new, um, oh, what is it here, Halo, there's a new Gears of War project, there's, it just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of new titles, but there are some of these titles that are both legacy for me that, you know, as part of the series like the XCOM or uh, stuff like that that really sort of interest me. But uh, what's your feelings on the, since we've already mentioned the big dragon in the room, what's your thought on the new expansion for Skyrim? In this expansion to the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, the Dovahkin can either join the Dawnguard who hunt vampires or join the vampires and gain new powers. This expansion includes new weapons and armor, a new horse, dragons with new powers, and more. I'm all for any expansions in Skyrim, because I love Skyrim, and I think uh, most people have gotten as far as they're going to get. I mean, you can continue to play Skyrim indefinitely, basically, but most people have the main quest done and most of the you know smaller side quests. Um, at this point, I think I have done all of the, um, uh, I'm working on my, like, Thieves quest, uh, for the Thieves Guild. I think I've done all of my Assassin's quests, and, you know, I'm the mouthpiece for the mother at this point. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of bored, so it would be nice to get back into the world of Skyrim. Never, never hurts a, uh, uh, any of these Outer Scrolls games when they suddenly roll out the Vampires expansion. They've done this in just about every game. It's <laughs> always been one of the really good ones. Well, Dawnguard, I assume, means the, the clan of vampires, basically. But I mean, in the game currently, I have been a vampire. I am a werewolf. So it's not like you don't have vampires in there. Um, you don't really work together. You mostly just clean out the coven. So I guess you have an option now. You can join the super vampire, you know, uh, city race and stuff and whatever. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess if you were playing an evil character, maybe you would... I mean, I don't know. Everybody's going to want to join the vampires because, you know, you got to try it. But yeah. I wonder if it's going to ruin your alignment. Not sure. Every other expansion that they've had um, in the past games involving the vampires has always been a really nice twist. There's always been some sort of part of the game that makes you want to go in and play it, not just because you have to slog through it. They they usually do something that's very uh, uh, split between sometimes it's very Machiavellian and other times it's the, wow, they just kind of turned society on its ear and made you think about a whole lot of things. It was very difficult to cure vampirism in Skyrim. Like, that was one of the most difficult things I think I did in the game, uh, Mm -hmm. to have to do that. So, 
Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Expansions are great, and they appear to still be seeking the Elder Scrolls, which to see how they tie this into the main story and what time period it occurs. But yes, yay! Very good. Another thing at E3 that's interesting is Microsoft's Smart Glass. Now, it's kind of a multi-device for sharing apps. And what did you think about this? Because they, they kind of tout this as possibly the coolest thing that's coming out of E3. I don't know. I, I'm sort of the wrong person to ask in terms of either handhelds or the consoles. Um, at E3, they're supposed to be Wii U things. And I, I really, at this point, I really don't care if it's if it's not a PC or PC related. Really, I'm not going out and searching for a lot of news on this thing. There's not really a product that's really drawing me in. Um, so I haven't really pursued anything related to this smart glass technology. Okay. It's supposed to be their version of like an iPad killer or just the Wii U killer. Well, right now it's on Xbox, but it's, it's said to come out for Windows 8 as well. Um, and it will come out on iOS things as well, so it would work on, you know, an iPad. I can talk to the Windows 8 stuff a bit, and that's supposed to be a, more of a cell phone experience where there's different tiles that you can click on in individual little apps. So if there's some ability to move between, say, the PC you're playing something to a handheld to slide it off sort of, uh, what is it, Minority Report? Minority Report, yeah. Sort of that style onto your Xbox. You know, then then that would that would intrigue me if it was like a simultaneous being able to swish it and, you know, have the ability. That, that may make me want to eyeball the um, Xbox or the 720 when it comes out or the if they back technology it into the 360. It might make me look, but I don't know necessarily if it would keep me beyond a certain period of time. Well, I think the ideal is to be able to play simultaneously on PC and console, mm. which I don't know exactly how the integration works, but you have second screen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't, I don't know exactly what it's going to have, the final version. Right now there's kind of prototyping it. Um but I thought I'd mention it because it is, again, touted as one of the coolest things in E3. Another cool thing is that EA is going to open Star Wars Old Republic and basically make a lot more of it free than it is currently. Mm -hmm. um, which is nice. Starting in July, they're going to... I guess they just want more subscribers, which makes sense since everyone's been falling off, even with their uh, lure to try to get you back. Um, mm -hmm. And what they said is that they're kind of comparing it to uh, Sony where they did DC Universe Online, kind of in, in the sense that all of these games end up kind of becoming free-to-play like Rift. Yeah. Um, so they're saying they're going to offer an introductory experience is what they're they're calling it. It doesn't the, the, really say like how much of an inter introductory, first 20 levels basically, free. Because with, with DC on DCUO, um, originally that game got panned hard, was losing customers like crazy, uh, and they went free-to-play, and just the revenue that they were getting from the free-to-play model with the microtransactions and portions along that line, people who have stuck with the game or gone back to the game have found it to be an extremely enjoyable and, and rather wonderful place um, that is greatly improved upon the original game to the point that they've actually made it much more of their their staple go-to quick play game 
So if it's 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 kind of a kind of a hard pill to swallow for the SWOTOR people to do this, but if that property isn't going to remain profitable as is and they're hemorrhaging even with these great patches, then if they go free to play, maybe they'll have the Dungeons and Dragons online revitalization, the DCUL revitalization. Maybe they can follow that pack and get in there and make a substantial uh, niche for themselves within the market because nobody really wants to put their lightsabers down. They just have a bunch of issues as far as getting lightsabers to pick up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I think it's a good move. Uh, a lot of people have fallen away because of that. You know, they, they paid their initial price. They said, eh, you know, I don't know how interested I am in this. They just need to make sure that that 20-level experience isn't, isn't nagware where the people are constantly finding that, you know, in order to do anything, they've got to subscribe. They, they really need to give that a chance for people to play with their friends. Um, and on an unrelated note, when you were trying to play Diablo with us in the starter edition, you couldn't join a party because even though you were pr- playing on a guest pass to check out the game, you were so limited that you couldn't actually do the part of the game that would have brought you in in the first place. So they, they really need to have this be a, this is your 20 levels. Here you go. Here's your bandwidth. Enjoy. We'll bug you at the end of it. But until then, go out, spend a couple days with your friends, get, get hooked on some of that story, want to come back and find out what's, what's going on. And maybe they can secure a couple people that way. Definitely a good idea. Um, yeah, I think even now when you leave, they keep sending you all these emails like, you know, Fett misses the adventure. My other companions miss the adventure. It gets annoying mm-hmm. after a while. You kind of say, I don't really want to come back to the adventure. I'm bored with the adventure. Yeah. Another thing we can talk about from E3 is the Wii U, which they are going on and on about. The controller is neat for the Wii U. It has its own little screen on it, basically. And I like how the controller can actually be used as a TV remote control as well, and a browser or a messaging console. And they have several videos What's about a smartphone? Uh, yeah. You can draw on it, you know, with a little stylus. It's kind of, it reminds me like of a DS. If you stuck a DS in a regular Xbox controller, it's kind of like that. Hmm. It's pretty neat. Um, the Wii has been pretty innovative about coming up with controllers and, and different designs that you don't expect. And what they say that... Uh, the Wii's always been about kind of, as they say, changing the relationship between the family and the game machine mm-hmm. and trying to make more of a fun... It's almost like bringing back the old board game that the family used to do together. Now you have the Wii uh, where you're supposed to be doing things together as like a family. Just, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of the games are kind of oriented that way with bowling and, you know... Mm-hmm. I'd like to get your input on an interesting debate that's been going on um, in various circles with Nintendo, since their shares are falling and everything else like that. When you hear the words Nintendo, do you think more of the software and the games they do, or do you think more of their hardware? Mm, I think of the old school. Like, when I hear Nintendo, I have to think about the old consoles that I'm used to. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the actual games, you know, physically, and then some of the software as well, but uh, no. I mean, I guess I I do not think about I do not think about hardware. I think about their games, their old school games. But if so, I, you know, that's if, my impression initially. 
So if if you saw, you know, what if what if you had the opportunity on your iPad to buy an app that would let you play one of the old school um, Nintendo games? Maybe they they spruced up like a thirty year edition of one of those old games, and they made it as an app. Do you do you think that would be something that you would buy? Totally. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's sort of this debate going on that the Wii U may be too much, um, you know, too little, too late for Nintendo in terms of their hardware market because they got pitifully slammed. Um, I thought the the Wii was a fun item in terms of, as you say, the family gameplay. Mm-hmm. They they got pretty much crushed by. They've always been sort of lagging on that development cycle um, behind the PS and. Uh, Xbox, and some people are thinking that maybe Nintendo should branch off and sell their hardware divisions and go in and write these apps for uh, these games as apps because they've always had these properties that people, you know, love to play. Oh, there's a new Mario coming along. Oh, you know, kind of thing. So I'm just sort of curious. they, They shot themselves in the foot a little bit with the Wii controller because. The Wii controller is excellent for things like bowling or for things like Zelda, where you have a vertical, you know, mm-hmm. stick-shaped object and it's necessary. It's horrible for games like Castlevania or games that really should have an old-school controller uh, that fits much better in your hand. Turning the Wii remote sideways and trying to even drive Mario Kart with it uh, is very awkward and and just doesn't make any sense. So the problem with the Wii controller for me is it's just not versatile enough uh, to be used in more than just a vertical fashion. And I feel like, you know, unless you're going to sell three different controllers with a game, or and what they end up doing is it very, it ticked me off a lot, is that, you know, the Wii remote isn't isn't enough anymore. You have to have, like, the Wii Plus remote, which has the yes. extra sensing in it. So you end up with Nintendo buying, basically, Mario Kart. Okay, well, you end up buying the Mario Kart car wheel because it's very annoying to hold the control sideways so okay you have the the car wheel and you have to snap the controller into there and fine that's fine and then you have you know certain games where you want to play the newer ones where you have to have the Wii Plus so you have the old Wii controller the new Wii Plus controller Mm -hmm. and then like let's say you want to play something with a crossbow there's an actual crossbow that you have to put it in it just becomes crazy it's it's not you definitely don't you definitely don't hear of anybody. It's like Microsoft made a killing when they when people realized they could plug the USB wired uh, um, Xbox controller into their PCs and use that to play the games. They made a killing off that hardware. Nintendo just seems to be you buy a lot of plastic and then it sits in a corner collecting dust. Right. How many cabinets do you have to put these controllers in? Really? Yeah. So Trump I- said anyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trump said anyone. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like, that was good for one game, and we never play that game. We don't really play Rock Band World Mm -hmm. Tour anymore, so the drum set is just sitting there. I think a lot of people have that issue. Uh, That being said, I am a fan of the DS, but I don't really understand why this DS-like controller, which has its own mini screen, is actually reflecting what's on the larger TV screen. Because I think myself, and probably the younger players that I know would not pay attention to your, you know, 50-inch landscaped plasma screen because they are just trained that if they're looking at something in their hand, they've got a controller and it's got a screen, then like any DS, they're going to stare at it. So to me, it's kind of distracting having your little screen in front of you playing the same thing as your TV is playing. 
there's kind of kind of the feeling when I was reading through this and, and, and looking at it, it was sort of harkens back to the days when I was playing with my Dreamcast and you'd have a RPG or something on there and your health bars and everything would be listed on the little um, LCD display in the controller. Oh, yeah. And then you'd, you'd have the game world that would be open. You wouldn't have like a HUD or anything that would be cluttering. So you'd have the immersive world experience up on your TV. But if you want to know where your health was, you just glance down. You got used to glancing up and down and it wasn't as distracting. If this is, if, if they, if they get, if they get more complex than that in this one, that could, as you say, be a real either headache inducer or, or a killer or they could just mesh it perfectly. But that would make a lot uh, of sense. Again, they're lagging behind because the Vita came out from Sony, which is getting killed pretty much in terms of sales and um, games. It's like now you can get games for $7 and the thing has been out for less than a year. Um, I think maybe Nintendo again is behind the curve um, and they're just trying to push us out. Mm. Well, I think a lot of companies, I mean, even with, as we talked about a few minutes ago, the glass, um, smart glass from Microsoft, everybody's trying to get these multiple devices to work together so that you can move information from one to the other seamlessly, have multiple screens showing things, very minority report. And I think they're trying to do that with the Wii U where you can flick things from the little controller to the big screen, you know, if you find something while you're browsing with it. Basically, it's a way to to kind of privately browse and, and do stuff and then flick it to the screen for everybody to share. But I just think, um, like you said, it might be a little too little, too late. What I'd love to see, though, is a game, one of these uh, giant robot mech warrior games like Hawkins or something like that, come out where if you have an iPad or one of these other controllers on the side, instead of having to get a joystick and throttle combo, you can control, um, you know, you've got the game up on your, your big TV. Maybe you've got weapon select or something where you've got the iPad sitting next to you and you can tap on something and it'll interact with the via the controller or whatever mm -hmm. and you know you can select your missiles that way or some sort of immersive thing where you sort of feel that you are beyond just your little controller but the developers are trying to bring you in in this huge game and you've got you know 50 46 inches 50 inches plus on your tv have something where you have the interaction but it makes sense but it tries to make you feel more immersive instead of scatter-eyed hmm between different things. Okay. Well, maybe you'll like this controller then. <laughs> Could be. We'll have to see. That's the gamepad, not the pro controller. The Wii mm -hmm. U gamepad, which is mm -hmm. specified. All right. Well, um, that is pretty much everything that I have learned about E3 and be looking forward to it in the next couple of days, seeing what happens with that. Uh, anything you would like to add to the E3 discussion? The only other thing, uh, just that I alluded to earlier with Dust 514. Yes. This, this is something where CCP, they like to fly under their radar, but they have the opportunity, um, in terms of bringing EVE Online further out into the open to demonstrate their community, to demonstrate their strong commitment to making sure that they have a solid product that they put out. This Dust 514, even though it's PS3 only, if they can pull this off and enter into a console market, I think that they have a really good corporate mindset to enable their uh, vision to take hold. So we may be seeing with CCP 
them going from the spreadsheet game MMO to being one of the larger, bigger players um, and being one of these next generation of game companies that comes in and, and gets to ride that limelight crest for a while and maybe with the ability that they've got to do some innovations and somehow some of the ways how they handle things, maybe bring people out of the mindset from the 2000s some people are still developing in, mm-hmm. get new properties out, have people join in, and maybe we'll see another sort of genesis of uh, game styles come out of this. Nice. How does this relate to Sony? Um, is CCP the developer and their licensing it to Sony? How is that working? Um, I For that one, I don't know, actually. Because Sony is the one who's releasing it, basically. Um, I think they're probably serving as distributor. I think Sony's doing oh, distribution, okay. but I think all the development and everything else is all CCP. Um, so I think, I think they're just basically using infrastructure for the PS3 through Sony which has that access into um, the larger console market. I think they're using them as a portal, but everything that they're delivering is what they've done without um, Sony getting their hands in the mix, per se. Have you registered for the beta? I have. A long time ago. <laughs> a long, long... Um, well, this CCP, they don't... If, if, they have a, if they have a project they're working on, like, they... they they were talking about for years getting the ability for people to see out, see their characters outside of their ships. Mm-hmm. That took them about three years for them to feel that they had done it right before they released it. So they they don't release things kind of half-assed in any sense of the word. So no, this is I mean it's a stunning looking game. I would say on the par with Mass Effect as uh, far as like visuals. We, we there was there was rumors and rumblings back as far as 2009 2008 for something there was a um, I signed up what for Dust 514 back in late 2007 2008 I believe it was there was a mystery hey get in on this beta we don't know when it started but get in on it and hopefully something will come about and then we found out later that's dust 514 dust 514 had some concept stuff now they're kind of building but if they are actually going to announce this at E3 i'm really hoping that whatever they have is going to make people go what what about halo <laughs> and 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 just 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 have I I want this to be the Skyrim of space. Just that absolute. The game comes in, slaps everybody silly. They get talking about it. There's buzz. There's enjoyment. People make money from it. Um, and they they do it without treating the gamer like an idiot. Because Skyrim definitely doesn't treat you like an idiot. They take it as, you are a gamer of whatever level, come in, enjoy the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what CCP loves. They want you to get out there and explore. They don't want you sitting on rails. You know, don't cheat and game the system in terms of being a dick. They've they've got low dick tolerance. (laughs) But if you want to go out and have that experience that Skyrim sort of experience where you can walk and do anything. If they can pull that off with dust 514, but in their own unique fashion and flavor and graphics and everything else like that, they stand potentially to kill 
with this game. Yeah, it looks really nice. Unfortunately, PS3 only, although we do have one. I'm not a big, uh, huge PS3 fan. I may actually pick up the controller for once in my life. Oh, okay. I will hold you to that. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, well, a thank you to Tanzian for coming and discussing this today. Grab me on. Yes, and I will not link his Twitter because he he will only add you if he just feels like it. So we won't we won't do that. Ha ha ha. Oh. You want it <laughs> at Tanzian? Very easy. Um, That's fine. Bombard him with Twitter requests because. Yeah. And you you'll get all the death before dishonor updates and crazy quotes. That's true. We'll be talking about Death for Dishonor soon as well. If you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me and my dog on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, <laughs> stupid dog, or suggestions to Gray on Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week, hopefully, with a new episode.